On front page with me this morning is Nadja Najib, editor at Astra Awani. Good morning, Nadja. Good morning. Now, the Human Resources Ministry has proposed introducing three days paternity leave for fathers working in the private sector to be funded by employers. Its Deputy Minister, Datuk Mahfuz Omar, said the Cabinet has yet to approve the proposal and the government would not likely be able to amend the Employment Act 1955 in the next Parliament meeting next month. Mm-hmm. When asked about it... Um, he suggested that Soxo actually fund the cost of the paternity leave. <laughs> so, you know, that's like, yeah. Yeah, you guys take care of this one. Um, first of all, we'll discuss Soxo in a minute, but do you feel three days is enough for the private sector? No, definitely not. You know, especially if you're a new parent. I mean, the first three days would just be spent, you know, in a whirlwind, just trying to, to digest everything. That's yeah, a new little person. Exactly, right? It's coming to your life, you know. And if you're, uh, you you have other kids, you know, you still need a much longer time to uh, to figure out their needs, you know, their mm-hmm. timing, you know, if, if you have school-going children and whatnot. You know, so no, three days is definitely not enough yes, either way. And yeah. we've heard that the women's aid organization are pushing for seven days, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. what is the likelihood of you know this petition actually gaining traction and gaining kind of a positive um, result? Um, you know, in an ideal world, seven days would be good because that's what the government servants are getting anyway yes. right now. You know, but for private sectors, of course, it all depends on uh, the respective employers. Seven, yeah, seven days at least a week that would be sufficient, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, in order for you to uh, at least. Um, you got to give new parents or parents, you know, uh, to, to newborns at least a full week, even through the weekend for at least to, for them to just figure out mm-hmm. the timing, what to do, how to do it, you know, what sort of assistance do they need, you know, and time to get them, you know. So, yeah, right. one week would be good. One week, mm-hmm. uh, not two weeks. <laughs> two weeks you even know, better. <laughs> you know, in the Western countries, <laughs> you can go on for months, you well, know. Well, and also you can take your wife's maternity leave in lieu of, you know, using your own annually for some countries I believe that's the case yeah, yeah. but here that would probably be another battle with the wives isn't it <laughs> yes so now the question is okay should SOXO fund paternity leave what are your thoughts on that well, I believe the paternity leaves should be funded by their respective employers mm-hmm. you see because employers they need to see that they need to support the well-being of their staff you know and the well-being includes the needs of their families you see so I believe paternity leave should be uh, supported by the employers. All right. Mm. Now, coming up, we'll be taking a look at uh, Tun Dr. Madhi Muhammad's speeches over at Oxford and Cambridge Unions. Um, I believe uh, he has just ended his three-day working stint over in the UK. We'll be discussing that next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Najah Najib, editor at Astro Awani. And um, Tun, Dr. Mahathir Muhammad, our Prime Minister, is currently in the UK. And uh, actually, he'll be addressing both Oxford and Cambridge unions. He's probably the only world leader to speak at both of these uh, events. Najah, what were the highlights from uh, Tun's speech at Cambridge Union? Well, he spoke quite a bit, you know, there, there were a few stuff. One of it is the um, on how we should continue with the... Uh, Look East policy, how not only the East has managed to uh, catch up with the West, but in many instances, you know, pull out ahead of them. You know, uh, for example, the trade war between US and China mm-hmm. and how US is um, condemning China because of their 5G network. I mean, it, is, right. it is the most advanced technology that, 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 that they have right now. Yeah. That's why. So that's one thing. Another thing is uh, criticism. 
from the West. Mm-hmm. You said that, you know, the West keeps telling us uh, that we're doing things wrong, you know, but in all honesty, they themselves are a confused lot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, they, they set all these policies in place. You know? For example, he said, like, the chairman in parliament is called Mr. Speaker, but he cannot speak. You know? yeah. Malaysia is a member of the Commonwealth, but that's nothing much in common with the wealth. Domin- which, yeah. When the wealth is dominated by certain countries, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, also the British acknowledge the Malay sultans as uh, rulers, but the sultans never rule. You know, stuff like that. It's very ironic stuff. You know? Right. Yeah. Another point he raised about how uh, the West keeps talking about having a borderless world. But what they actually mean is that the West are only talking in terms of capital flows. Right. You know, they talk about having a borderless, borderless world, but they're also talking about building walls. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Right. And of course, the big speech that went viral was the plea for Malaysians to come back and... You know, yeah. serve the country. Yes. In, you know, in, yes. in Malaysia itself. Yes. That's not the first time he made the plea. You know, each time he goes out, you know, he would tell the professionals that we have, you know, overseas, please come back. We need your your expertise and whatnot. But, I mean, if you are, you know, a young gun, you know, servicing in other countries, you know, mm-hmm. and um, earning a really good earning wage. a really good wage, you want to make sure that when you come back, you are. You have something really, really good to come back to. But at this point, you know, the government, they've got to bait uh, these experts with something. And at this point, it's probably not something that we can do right now. Right. Okay. Mm. Uh, well, how often, uh, you know, coming back to the Oxbridge discussions and talks, um, mm. how often do our universities host forums such as this? Well, probably not on a, on a big you know, massive stage such as the uh, Oxford and Cambridge, you know. In our public use, we do have, you know, such talks, you know, occasionally. I think for for the main ones, maybe at least once a year, you have annual forums and such. But I think the issue here is to get really, really good and top and relevant speakers to Mm -hmm. come down. That has always been the issue for us. You know, if you want people to come and talk, uh, to come and listen, you got to get really, really good. You see, our problem is that we, when it comes to this, you know, forums and talks, I mean, we try, uh, we're open, you know, you can see anything. But at the end of the day, we're always bounded by a set of rules and, Mm -hmm. you know. Internal uh, conflict as well (laughs) when it comes to self-censorship because you know what's going to trigger red flags. And that does not necessarily appeal to uh, Mm. international speakers. I mean, that is an issue that we got to deal with ourselves first. Right. Mm. Okay, when we come back, we'll talk about um, YB Kairi Jamaluddin joining the race for the Malaysian Paralympic Council President Post. That's up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Najah Najib, editor at Astro Awani. Now, Kairi Jamaluddin, the former youth and sports minister, will join the race for Malaysian Paralympic Council's presidency and is set to become among the main contenders for the post. Utusan Malaysia said the Rambau MP made the announcement just half an hour before the deadline on the 17th. His main rival for the post will likely be Datuk Magat Shariman Zaharuddin, the current president of the Malaysian Canoe Association, according to the newspaper. So, um, Nadia, what are his chances, actually? Do you know? I think it's pretty good. You know, he's a former uh, youth and sports minister who is still very popular with the youth and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, Malaysians generally, uh, despite him being on the opposite of the, of the ring now. Yeah. People still like him People because people see that he can work. 
you know, and he still has a lot to contribute. Mm-hmm. So people will want to see him still doing something for the government. Right. Yeah. And Malaysian Paralympians are doing really well, uh, especially these last few years. How vital would the responsibility be of the council and what they do? Well, the council plays a huge role in uh, para sports. You know, they work with the youth and sports ministry and the women's ministry to develop para sports in the country, uh, assist its athletes, you know, prep them for competitions, network with international sports organizations and such. And too many times in our country, our para athletes they they came up short, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially in terms of you know monetary. Uh, yeah. Awards and whatnot, right? Uh, when compared to able-bodied athletes, you see, uh, despite their achievements surpassing the latter, yeah, absolutely, it was right? pretty amazing the last Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Which is why, again, it is especially crucial to have somebody that people can be can deem as honest, mm-hmm. uh, transparent, mm-hmm. you know, to helm the council. And and Kyrie knows this. Yeah. yeah. Is this a popularity contest? Pop- for popularity him? contest. Yeah. <laughs> it true. is, isn't it? Yeah. He's like, mm, what else could I do to up my uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, right. Yeah. When we come back, we'll take a look at the illness in Kuala Ko. Apparently, mm. um, 150 Sungai Brua Orang Asli have left their settlement. We'll look at that headline next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Najah Najib, editor at Astro Awani. Now, worried with the presence of uninvited guests from the Batik tribe of the Orang Asli community in Kampung Kuala Ko, Guamusang, more than 150 people from the Semakbari tribe have reportedly left their homes at Sungai Berua since uh, two weeks ago. An observation by Bernama at Kampung Gerdung, which was a temporary settlement site of the Semakbari tribe tribe found nearly 26 camps and huts were built in the village area. I guess, you know, they've got their concerns. Uh, Do you feel that enough is being done to help Orang Asli in that area and uh, well, in... uh, elsewhere as well. Well, in the case of the uh, uh, the tribe, yesterday uh, we managed to interview some of them yeah. and uh, their reason was they didn't leave because of the uh, what was happening to the uh, uh, Batik tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, they left because they needed to find, according to them, Charit Rizki. Okay. You know, because they have to go into the woods. Yeah. You know, and according to them, their, their, their means of income is from uh, uh, Hasil Hutan. Mm-hmm. You see? So that was why they moved, you know, not so much because of the Batik tribe. Uh, but in terms of is enough being done to help these tribes, I believe the government is doing what they can despite their limitations. What I understand about the Orang Asli is that not all of them want change. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a very proud community. They do the things in the way they do because their ancestors did it yeah. and survived. You yeah. know, but uh, with yeah, I guess with development, with change, with uh, logging and mm, mining mm, and all these other activities, it is activities, becoming harder yeah. for them. Yeah, it is yeah, because it's encroaching on their land, on their ancestral land. So I mean, um, I do we, agree though that much more can be mm. done for them. You know, particularly the children. You know, in terms yes. of uh, health and education, as it is, schools have been set up for them. Uh, medical teams have been mobilized to conduct health checks on them yes. periodically. But it must be uh, be noted that not all of them want it, you know. Right. Not all of them want the immunizations yeah. that are offered, the vaccinations yeah, and all exactly. that. Okay. Could that be an education lapse? Because, you know, they may not understand the yeah. impact. of Which is why the past week, the past couple of weeks, ever since the uh, Batik uh, tribe issue uh, came about, you know, the government and multiple NGOs have been calling on Malaysians, as a whole, you know, to come and help 
create awareness, you know, uh, on the importance of uh, health, the importance of uh, uh, education. It, it's a collective effort, lah. I must yes. say, we cannot just rely on government in this. Right. Mm. Since we have had a change in government, um, mm. can you gauge how much has actually been done for the orang asli? I believe quite a lot. I mean, the, the previous government, to be fair, the previous government did a lot too for a long time, you know. But if the current government wants to do more, then I believe the most important thing is um, they must ensure that the uh, Orang Asli Development uh, Department, JAKOA, mm-hmm. is free of corruption, free of third-party disruption, and free of people with vested interests. All right. Okay. When we come back, we'll take a look at the 400 containers of imported mm. plastic in Penang and what they're going to do with this. Uh, that's up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Najah Najib, editor at Astro Awani. Now, Penang has 397 containers filled with plastic waste imported from 12 different countries. This is according to the Penang Customs Department. And in addition to that, 132 containers of the lot were stranded at the North Butterworth Container Terminal since January. Mm. And all of this contains plastic waste. Um, This is just shocking, really. Uh, What is being done to manage imported waste into the country and why is it ending up in Penang? Not just Penang, actually, to be fair. You know, um, Slango has tons and tons Mm -hmm. of of, uh, imported waste as well, you know, as reported by Al Al Jazeera earlier this year, I think, if I'm mistaken. Well, ideally, waste is being imported for supposedly recycling purposes, mm-hmm. you know. But as of now, what we can see is that the supply is exceeding the demand, you know, like mm. thousands or millions fold probably, you know. Yeah. It seems like there's a backlog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the recycling business, it's an expensive business, you know, but it's also a uh, very lucrative, you know, which is why more and more illegal recycling plants are popping up in the country. The uh, Al Jazeera report in January, they said that the plastics processing industry mm-hmm. in Malaysia is worth an estimated $840 million. Wow. Yeah, that's huge, right? The problem lies when not all imported plastics can be recycled. Exactly. You see? So, many of them will end up in landfills, you know, huge financial and environmental costs mm-hmm. to us. And, um, on this note, I think the best thing that the government can do right now is to tap, step up enforcement, crack down on illegal uh, recycling plants, you know, stop importing waste yeah. that will hurt our environment. Yeah. You know, and we really, really need to be firm on this, you know. And if we were to import anything, it should be the uh, technology yes. on the most efficient method to recycle this waste, well, you know? Well, doesn't Sweden and uh, the northern uh, European <laughs> countries, don't they have uh, a monopoly on how to recycle this in the most environmentally clean way? I mean, why are we not getting technology and know-how from them? Okay, here's And the why f- aren't they, or rather, why aren't they taking in all this rubbish? Because apparently in Sweden, uh, they don't. They have to import rubbish. They don't have enough um, exactly. generated waste. It doesn't make, make sense, yeah. right? You know, I mean, we're such a Is it because we're cheaper to send rubbish too it's easier it goes uh, a lot more unnoticed mm-hmm. you see because we're just like a small asian country you mm-hmm. know but here's the thing you know countries which produce more solid waste are more economy uh, economically developed and more industrialized that's true 
you know. Yeah. So yeah, they do produce a lot more waste, and you know, it's mm. it, it, the amount is just rising, and they have to have right somewhere to 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 trash it to. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, that said, um, you know, there's talk about sending um waste back to Canada, and how's that going? Canada's not the only one. We see we are getting waste from like the UK, the US, Japan, Europe, yeah. Australia, Hong Kong, Japan. You know, mm. and I mean, if 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 anybody was trying to send trash to you, would you want it back? Okay. Well, hopefully we find a solution very, very soon. soon. Uh, Nadja, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Nadja Najib, editor at Astro Awani on front page. All of this will be on our podcast, on our website at light.my shortly, maybe after 10 a.m. this morning.